listening to Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen. And this is Dial N for Mayhem, our later evening conversation about just what the US elections mean for us, for America and for the world. With our expert guides Ian Talentire here in the studio and Pamela Ennis live from Washington in the United States. A widow spider sitting in a web waiting on Mr. Fly Said come on in, sit right down to me and that fly get high Me and that fly get high, let me tell you, me and that fly get high Said come on in, sit right down to me and that fly get high Grasshopper, grasshopper, sitting on the ground, just about ready to spring. Lucy Cricket on the garden gate, won't you hear that good gal sing? I hear that good gal sing, everybody, hear that good gal sing. Lucy Cricket on the garden gate, won't you hear that good gal sing? Me and that fly get high, little tail, me and that fly get high. She said, come on in, sit right down, me and that fly get high. By 1980, my vivid impressions of what America was really like were shaped by the Beverly Hillbillies and Dallas. I say this because the singer here is said to be none other than Jed Clampett, the head of the nouveau riche hillbilly family from the Ozark Mountains that moved to Beverly Hills and got involved in various capers and double entendres involving the fake friendships of their venal neighbors. Hello. Oh, I'm awfully sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, no, understood, understood. I... Yes, yes, of course. However, this is a case of mistaken identity. This is, in fact, singer-songwriter Jed Clampett, C-L-A-M-P-I-T, who didn't come from the Ozark Mountains, didn't become rich, didn't move to the Beverly Hills, and about whom I can find hardly anything on the internet. You try it. It's C-L-A-M-P-I-T, Jed, J-E-D. Join us now, there's always room for you. 
And we'll listen to the good gal sing everybody. Hear that good gal sing. Won't you sing it, Lucy, on the garden gate now? Hear that good gal sing. And me and that fly got high, let me tell you, me and that fly got high. Well, I was sitting there talking with a roach and a spider, and me and that fly got high. Me and that fly got high. Thank you very much. Oh, hello. It seems like we've hardly been away. And welcome very much to uh, another edition of Box 39. Yes, we are live here at Studio One, Colm Radio Towers here on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. And this is the magazine of music, bit of community, bit of humour, bit of a chat, and uh, quite a lot of my guests here, co-presenters rather, here tonight, the wonderful Ian Tallentire. Oh, thank you, Bill, for that intro, and that was particularly gracious of you, after I messed up the last programme. <laughs> and the even more beautiful Pam Ennis. Hello, Pam. Hello, thank you for that introduction. And Pam is, although she does sound like she's sitting in a tin can somewhere, that's because she's coming to us live by satellite, all the way from Washington in America. And the reason she's doing that is because we are going to talk about what happens in the United States presidential elections next week. Uh, what could it all mean? So we're calling this Dial M for Mayhem. Because, uh, unfortunately, it, it might well turn out to be a little bit like mayhem. So uh, we're going to start off with some predictions. We're going to try and call the result. So, Ian, your prediction, the polls, what, 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 what do we know? Well, you want me to plump for who the winner's going to be? No, what, what do we know Well, we about know, the polls? Well, we know very well that they aren't really that accurate. Uh, there's a, there's a, a definite weakness in them because they don't actually predict voter turnout. Right. What do they predict? Well, they don't really. They don't take into account the disparity between uh, the popular vote and the electoral college votes. Well, it seems like they're fairly pointless then, Pam. Surely there's some sort of figure, though, that we can uh, we can draw down from the poll trackers. Are they putting all the polls together? What are they telling us? Even though Ian has told us it's fairly meaningless, what are they telling us? So what they're telling us now is that the, uh, the differences are narrowing. So I've been watching the polls a little bit um, and seeing a very a very wide disparity between uh between the um the sides and now things are things are kind of narrowing in a little bit but they're a bit unusual as well this year aren't they because i mean we have those five six seven swing states but as you said in the earlier program we're we're getting this very odd sort of disparity down in texas which is normally truly republican where it looks as though it is going to swing towards, I'm not going to say the Democrats are going to win it, but it seems to be swinging towards the Democrats. It's that uh, misfit between the national polls and the local state polls. Well, that's the way yeah. that's the way I've been seeing it. You're exactly right, Ian. Um, it will be interesting to see uh, see how closely the polls match actual voter turnout and voter experience. What's the mood, Pam? You know, what's the mood on the streets? What's the person on the street in America 
thinking? I, I honestly think that the mood on this street is let's get this over with. <laughs> don't don't so care succinct. as long as it's over with. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. that. I thought we had an event in this country over the last few years where I think it ended up with people just thinking we don't actually care anymore. Let's just get that thing done. Well, we, yeah. To that, twenty twenty has certainly become a uh, a year of unpredictability. So, but is that? Do you think they want it over, Pam? Because the country appears to be more polarized than it has been before because of covid because of the race issues which have been highlighted recently or is it just because they see the two same guys on the television night after night well i think that's probably a little bit of a little bit of both of that is true we certainly have seen our share of uh, excitement on the streets we certainly have seen uh, a lot on the television that doesn't seem to match what's going on on the streets. And we see the same two guys on the television. What about COVID, Pam? Is this playing a big part in this election? Certainly, uh, certainly in terms of uh, voter, voter um, experience and the way that we're voting, there are, there are as we said in the last show more mail-in votes than ever before um it will be interesting to see who who does actually um mail in their votes versus uh stand standing in line on election day so do you feel that the way that the u.s government has behaved so differently from a lot of the european governments has left a bad taste in the mouths of the american public do they feel let down or do they they believe it should be a case of just get on with it i think it's just get on with it i don't think american voters honestly pay very much attention to what's going on across the sea um they're pretty isolated and then with covid being the case this year there's even more isolation so the mood is very strange i think a lot of people were excited to vote there are a lot of young people who have been proud to announce that they are able to vote and depending on what political party you run with uh, you think that your party is going to win so i think there are a lot of pre-celebrations a lot of people who are pretty convinced that their guy's going to get in there and we shall see we certainly will <laughs> yeah I mean, what we're going to ask you now is really to have a look in your crystal ball and this would be interesting because an awful lot of people will listen to this once the results have come out so they'll see how good we were at uh, gazing into the future we, we talked about key states now florida you say uh, we all know i think is a key state and it has been in previous elections at the moment biden's got a lead there do you think uh, he's going to hold on to that lead pam that is going to be a very interesting state to look at. He, a couple of weeks ago, had a pretty fair lead. Now it's now it's narrowed down to uh, one percentage point. So yeah. I think that it's going to be something to look at on November 3rd and beyond. All right. So that's Florida. That's the state of the hanging chads, wasn't it, Florida? And that's been a traditionally a Republican area, is that right? Or at the moment, they've got, definitely got a Republicans in charge there? Traditionally Republican, there are a lot of older vote, voters yeah. there. Um, a lot of older voters tend to lean conservatively. Um, however, um, there are a lot of older voters who are now affected by COVID. So that could change 
the uh, the 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 voting count. It could change the voting mood. So, what about uh, North Carolina, Pam? What's the uh, what's going on there? Because that's got what seventeen electoral votes. Seventeen electoral votes. Biden was up by two percent a couple of weeks ago. It is shifting from Republican to Democratic support. Are there any specific sort of factors which affect the vote in that area? I mean, in Florida, you said it was the the older vote. They're more likely to vote and they tend to be conservative. What's the deal in North Carolina? Absolutely have no idea. Hey, I got the ultimate question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'm I'm going to ask you. I am not afraid to say I haven't a clue on the radio. (laughs) Let me ask you a question, Ian. What's the mood in the UK about this election? What Boris thinking, do you think? Well, I think... if you're actually asking me to state an opinion about the Prime Minister, and that's... No, just uh, have you heard any news about what he's thinking? I think he's probably biding his time, and that's not a play on Mr Biden's name. By yeah. I, but I think he probably is biding his time to, to see who does win, because there are consequences, or potentially there are consequences to who wins, because we could well end up with a trade deal with uh, the United States of America, or a more comprehensive trade deal if one person is voted in, I would have thought. So he's, um, Boris is probably, yeah, he's hanging on to see what will happen there. Well, because if you can be reactive in a situation like this, then you can at least develop an argument that may be to the benefit of the country either way. And I'm, I, 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 I would imagine that's why we've not heard anything at this point. Well, very quickly, Pam, because uh, time is, as always, yeah. presses upon us. What's in in uh, America itself? What's gonna What's it gonna mean in a sentence if there's a Trump victory? You know, politically, socially, economically, foreign policy. What's a, What's a Trump victory gonna mean? Sure. So, uh, very likely, an increase in disruption of foreign relations. Yeah. Um, an increasing insistence on loyalty from the Republican Party, and possibly promoting members of Trump's inner circle, which seems to be changing, although family members are in great positions of power. What about a Biden victory? What's that going to mean for the US, though, Pam? So I and I can I'll predict uh, that we I mean, we went out, we came out of a lot of um, really important organizations the WHO for one. Um, Biden is very concerned about the climate. And so I see us being back into the Paris Agreement returning to some equilibrium to the science community but will Um, that not in itself lead to a closing down of the mines and uh, other fossil fuel outlets in the states Pam isn't that going to cause quite an increase in unemployment in some areas I think that uh, I think it remains really remains to be seen and that's sitting here on the fence again Um, (laughs) so we could see revolution is that right or revolutionary change, or what at least if look like I mean revolutionary change, revolutions. <laughs> whichever t- whichever party, whichever person wins, things aren't going to be the same, are they? No, I don't think they will ever be the same. Anyway, uh, we we have seen so much change in this country and in the world. So, well, this was. Predi- I know what I hope is that we get closer to a more global experience. But well, do you know this was all predicted? nearly 60 years ago by uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney when they wrote this. You say you want a revolution Well, you know We all want to change the world 
You know, I, I like the Beatles. I do. I do like the Beatles. But this song, it, it's just such a mess. It's got. It's like. You've got one. One half the music is hard left. Yeah, and then the rest. The rest of it's hard right. So it, it kind of. I mean, that can work sometimes. It's not working here. And that that distort, that scuzzy sound on the guitar. It is. I don't know. It isn't really good. I don't. I don't think that John Lennon was ever really a, a real dyed-in-the-wool rocker. I think he was. He was. He was much more of a wet blouse, but in, in a good way. And this song just seems to be just the way it's produced is just trying to sound like it's really kind of like rough, you know, unwashed, scuzzy. And I, I just, it's not my favourite track. It's just not my favourite track. Sorry. I hate to be a party pooper. just finished watching this year's very unique democratic convention and I'm feeling very patriotic. I know my voice sounds younger than I am but yes on July 13th 1960 I actually did get kidnapped from the balcony of the Los Angeles sports arena where I sat with my grandmother who lived only a few blocks from that venue. I was approached by a young journalist with an extra set of press passes and was whisked very willingly away from my grandmother who sat in stunned disbelief and chagrin. Through the bowels of the arena I was coached by my guide and shown which credentials to present at the next checkpoint until at last we arrived on the convention floor where my benefactor promptly disappeared into the crowd of delegates, leaving me, a 17-year-old college freshman, to fend for myself. The excitement was palpable and contagious and carried me past my fear that I might be discovered as the imposter that I was and that devoid of credentials that had gotten me past all those checkpoints I might become a TV news story or worse I'd be seen as a spy from the Republican Party 
or a protester or agitator and be escorted to a squad car and spend the night in the LA County Jail. But none of that happened and I crept back to the balcony to find a very relieved grandmother who was anxious to hear about my adventure. As I left the building, I led Grandma Spencer to a large group of people who stood in a circle with interlocked arms, singing a song that I'd never before heard. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall mesmerized and wanted to join in but I didn't even know the words but the group separated enough to let grandma and I into the circle and locked arms with us and made us welcome two days later grandma and I were back this time at the adjoining Los Angeles Coliseum we sat way up in the nosebleed zone but I was there and heard JFK accept the nomination of his party for President of the United States of America. Let me say first that I accept the nomination of the Democratic Party. It would be four more years before I'd even be old enough to vote. By then, I was a Navy wife and a mother with two children. I cherished the right to vote, and no postal slowdown or COVID virus will stop me from casting my ballot this year. Box 39. Well, we're in Box 39. That's myself, Bill Lawrence, Ian Talentire, who's sitting the other side of the COVID screen, and Pam, who's in Washington, live from the US of A. It's all about the United States elections tonight. And we've sort of provisionally thought of this section really as like as the world watches what's going on. And the world really is watching the United States at the moment. Um, that was Carol, by the way, uh, with a postcard from Surprise, Arizona, which is over 5,000 miles from Colm Radio Studio. Pam, she's about nearly 5,000, 4,810 miles away. And Ian's... Uh, is that precise, Bill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, actually, it's 4,810, just to be precise. And, of course, Adrian. Thank you, Adrian. He's in the Cone Radio Music Library. Uh, and he's about 12 metres as the crow flies from my senior presenter's chair. Yeah. So, Pam, just come on. Tell us who Carol really is. My mum. Yeah. So, that's Carol Ennis. And she... Uh, as we're as we're going into this next chat, we're talking about the world watching and protests and lawyers. And my dad always used to say I should have sent her to law school. She's the smartest, the smartest person he ever met. And we said, why not? So, well, on. well, there you are. Um, thank you. Pa- thank you, Carol. Thank you, Pam, for revealing that secret. Now, it's all about legal bat- battles as we talk about 400 lawsuits. Is that right, Ian? Yeah, I think they've. Uh, there's been quite a few filed, but they can be filed uh, by individuals anywhere, can't they, Pam? That's my understanding. Yes. So you could actually end up with, of those 400, probably, you know, you, you could end up with 399 being filed by individuals all about the same thing. That hey. is true. And I, I actually read this morning that uh, the majority of them are being filed about the mail-in situation. So, uh, exactly, exactly that. These are not class action lawsuits where a bunch of people get together, but they're individual ones. So is it people actually wanting to know where their vote has gone if they've posted it? Or is it against the postal system? I think it's, it's really more against the postal system. There is a system for tracking uh, ballots. So um, I was actually, I actually voted uh, early by posting in a... Uh, an official ballot box, I know, because I couldn't move that box. It was cemented in. Um, and a couple of days later, got on the Internet and was able to see that my ballot had been accepted. So big celebration there. I knew what exactly was happening with that ballot. So what we have is the candidates playing very cleverly, already um, trying to suggest that if it, the results don't go the way they like them, they're going to they're going to question the and, and throw the whole process into doubt. So, Pam, is is that really going to make a difference in the end? Can they actually say that we need to have a rerun or it's all scrap it or anything like that? Is, can that really happen? We are most definitely not going to have a re a re election. Um, I do not see that happening. There's no constitutional precedent for that. I think what you will find is challenges in the courts which is why it was so important to um, for one of the parties to swear in the candidate or the the uh, Supreme Court justice that was sworn in. Um, now the other side of that is that the Democratic uh, the Democratic uh, Party is talking about uh, increasing that Supreme Court. So it will be played out in the courts. It will be interesting to see how that happens. So, but firstly, Pam, what, what's really interested me, and I don't, can't really get my head around it, is when does the voting for mail-in actually finish? Is it that your postal vote, your mail-in vote, has to have a date stamp of the day of election, or does it have to be received by the day of the election? Again, that is determined by the states. So there are some states that have mail-in votes that um, they need to be postmarked by uh, the day uh, on the day of the election. 
Um, so that stamp that you're talking about, Ian, there are other states that, um, for instance, the state of Utah that says you have to have your 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 uh, mail-in vote postmarked on the on the day before um, the election, and and then there are others that will be counting uh, far afterwards. I think that um, in the past we have had a very good idea on election day. Who is the clear winner? And this is going to be a unique situation. I don't think that we will have a clear winner. So have the polls. I mean, we've, you know, we said that there have been polls actually in the swing states. There are polls nationwide saying what the split is between Democrat and Republican. Is there any information as to what percentage of the population is actually going to use posting? I think it's surprising. I think we've seen an increase in um, in the mail-in voting. I think in 2016 there were 25 percent of voters, and um, this election I think I read 35 percent of voters already have um, mailed in their votes. So that's a that's a huge amount of voting. I think we're going to see an increase in voting overall. There's other rumours, isn't there? Terrible rumours that uh, Russia are secretly determining the election with the use of information from social media and targeting. But all these sort of things are going on. But we can't really talk about that because it's a secret. We don't really know. Isn't this just uh, this whole Russian thing, just a bit of a smokescreen? Is it real? What's the what's the view in America on this? Yeah, I think that that's a, I think that that is uh, that is a question. How much influence do other countries and particularly Russia have on voter voter experience and voter turnout? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Again, I don't know the answer to that. I think there are so many theories. It's a secret, isn't it? But our secret's out. Pam, your secret's out. Carol's secret's out. Yeah, Carol is your mum. Should I run for president? Mother, should I trust the government? In 1979, to the 15-year-old me, Pink Floyd's The Wall, from which this song Mother is taken, resonated in my disgruntled and slightly paranoid adolescent mind. Especially another brick in the wall. We don't need no education, we don't need no thought control, no dark sarcasm in the classroom. Hey teacher, leave us kids alone. That's right, get off my back teacher, we don't need no education. Of course, my attitude changed in the 1980s when I trained to become a teacher myself. 
But thanks to the inerudite and populist double negatives in Roger Waters' lyrics, we don't need no education became we do need education, while we don't need no thought control became we do need thought control. And this continued to be, without fakery, my mantra, now as a teacher operating in the dark sarcasm of my own classroom. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. Kaching, kaching, kaching. Boom, ping, ping, ping. Wah. Ping, clink, hello. Bye, ping. Wah. Whoa. Bum, bum, bum. Bing, bing, bing. Boom, boom, boom. Bing, bing, bong, bong. Bing, bing, bing. to ask the question is work that the title of this Mary Bligay song a complete sentence well a sentence is a set of words that is complete in itself typically containing a subject and predicate conveying a statement question exclamation or command and consisting of a main clause and sometimes one or more subordinate clauses so I think the lyric work that is clearly conveying a command by way of an imperative sentence a sentence which is used to issue a command a request or a forbiddance is called an imperative sentence this type of sentence always takes the second person i.e. you for the subject but most of the time the subject remains hidden so it could have been you work that but the you has been omitted but I want to stress that this is in accordance with the rules I hope this has enhanced your enjoyment of this song You know what uranium is, right? It's a thing called nuclear weapons and other things, like lots of things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Nobody talks about that. I didn't do anything for Russia. I've done nothing for Russia. 
You're listening to Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen. And this is Dial M for Mayhem, our later evening conversation about just what the US elections mean for us, for America and for the world. With our expert guides, Ian Talentire here in the studio and Pamela Ennis live from Washington in the United States. Well, welcome to all of you. The presidential election is just a few days' time. What's going to happen? What could it all mean? We got a text from Daisy Derwent from Castle Headingham. Straight in, she says, this is about Carol. She says, I just saw the picture of Carol on your website. Almost dropped the boiled eggs that I was making for our cat's supper, she says. I thought, how much Carol looks just like Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. So she called in her husband, Major Tom Derwent, uh, who said, I was a silly sausage and should get my eyes tested tomorrow because it clearly is a picture of Her Majesty. We both agree what a lovely picture of Her Majesty it is and we've added it uh, a screenshot of it to our downstairs royalty display, which is next to the cat litter tray for our old moggies, Charlie and Camilla. Well, thank you for that text. Uh, who's that from? Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. And that, that's not Her Majesty. That really is Carol. Now, Pam, it's populism, isn't it? Populism has been a big part of this election. I think we could probably fairly say that um, Trump is sort of populist in style. I think he would agree with that. I think he'd be happy to record that. Sure. How's yeah. how, how's that gained traction then? I'm blaming the internet. Um, the internet has uh, really been a foundation for um, speaking up, and uh, those people who feel disenfranchised or not heard um, have been able to uh, to actually have their voices heard on the internet. It's been a means to connect information and theories um, at record speed. If you think about it, all you have to do is get on Facebook or TikTok and speak your mind and and put your theory out there. So um, generally with some universal uh, accessibility, and then if you add the fact that people are in isolation, um, they really are wanting to reach out and, um, and get themselves exposed to those ideas as well as express those ideas. I was just wondering, Pam, I mean, you know, any old nut job can go on the internet, as you say, and type something in and just press send, and it becomes opinion, and people like opinion. Um, what what I've noticed is that we seem to be seeing much, much more of fringe groups. So we had... Uh, the president making some interesting comments because I never know whether he's trying to remain neutral or whether he's trying to incite. I have I've never worked the man out. Um, you know, I've, I find it very difficult because he was talking to a group called what are they called the Good Old Boys or um, whoever, boys. yeah, who are evidently linked in some way to white supremacy. And you 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 know, but he said that there were fine people on both sides of the argument, and it's. It just strikes me as being really difficult. I mean, is this a man, in your opinion, who's um, courting controversy or is he just trying to remain neutral? That is the question. And if I'm going to remain neutral, I can't answer that. How's that for the fence? <laughs> well, you threw that one back at me, didn't you? I, I certainly did. What would some people say? Some people would say uh, would say that 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 his comments are coded um, by saying that there are fine people on both sides. There's yeah. a hidden message. Um, I think that some people who heard "stand back" and "stand by" or however he said that during that debate, 
you know, he, he made a statement that uh, to the proud boys to stand back and stand stand ready. Um, what does that mean? And, and for some of those fringe groups, they took that as a code. So whether he was remaining neutral or not really uh, is this point. I think that we have to look at the other side as well, though, and um, there has been a great momentum with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, and uh, a lot of people have been affected um, as well on, on that side of this whole issue of populism. People, people on both sides, are the general consensus is they're not being heard. Trump has acknowledged, hasn't he? Uh, I think he used the phrase, if it wasn't for Twitter, I would not be your president, or I would not have been elected, something like that, he said, didn't he? Do you have him on your Twitter feed? I actually do. I I, I keep track. I want to see what the president is saying uh, at any given moment. I think that that's important to be in in the know, regardless of what your political stance is. Sure. So he's really said i i use twitter it's it's the most powerful force that he has at his disposal do you have sort of advertisements on television for your political leaders do they advertise are they allowed to come on and give their point of view like they are in this country so i don't really watch a lot of advertising television but i do read the news and um there are a lot of advertisements um uh out there right now um, and there is a lot of public opinion about whether or not they should be those should be allowed so um, the Pew chart uh, the Pew polls did um, they did a poll and found out that 54% of Americans think that uh, social media shouldn't allow political advertisements and also that 74% oppose allowing social media companies from using data that was gleaned from showing those political ads. In the UK, uh, at election time, each party or candidate, I guess in this case, is allowed a certain amount of airtime. It's not an advertisement, it's uh, called a party political broadcast. You're allowed to go on the main channels and do your thing for five minutes i think it is yeah but that's fact checked as well isn't it bill you're you're not allowed to spout on truth you're yeah allowed, do you, you have the to... equivalent in america it's all about money who has the money who can afford the airtime so they can oh, buy yeah. as much airtime as they want they can buy as much airtime as they want and what this... they put on does that have to be factual or can it just be opinion uh it can be opinion so there's there's been and, and I, I I again I don't watch a lot of that I try to keep myself out of it so that I can uh, personally I can make an informed decision without being so influenced but I think that that's the objection of the this majority of Americans that feel like they they're they're being subjected to um, advertisements that they really don't want they've already got their minds made up. It's always quite interesting, though, isn't it? Because once something is repeatedly said, it almost becomes fact. That is true. That's the, that is the power of, uh, of advertising. Do you know, we're beaten on this section. We're running out of time again. I often think about Nirvana. I think about it in Indian religions. They all say, uh, they assert Nirvana to be a state of perfect quietude, freedom. The highest happiness, as well as the the liberation, 
from uh, or the ending of samsara the repeating cycle of birth life and death rather like i should imagine you know it is sitting where you are at the moment pam i can see in that, that where you're sitting in that room but actually for me nirvana just are a great band from seattle whose music has stayed with me for 30 years Imagine if I had come into possession of the USA's deepest state secrets, including those pertaining to nuclear weapons, national security and counterintelligence. And imagine if I had debts amounting to at least $400 million that all had to be paid very soon. And imagine if I had recently been kicked out of a job which, if not for that, I may well have been able to amass the $400 million I needed in the next four years. To whom, that is to say, to which highest bidder, might I be able to sell my state secrets? And imagine if I had no scruples about doing so. And imagine if I even thought it would be righteous vengeance against an establishment and ungrateful population. Imagine if I were a malignant narcissist and a sociopath. To whom might I pass on state secrets at what price and at what cost to the whole world and I'd be able to rationalize doing it I could just say well it is what it is I made my mistakes, but in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think too that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook.
Do you want your world to look like? What do you want it to be? Do you know that the world has two sides and nobody is free? Did your mama come from Mexico? Papa come from Palestine? Sneaking all through Syria, crossing all the borderlines? Let other people in, listen to your women Stop killing black children, make America great again Let other people in, listen to your women Stop killing black children, make America great again Interesting, isn't it? There's that word again. So, when exactly was the last time America was great? The US president believes it was during the late 40s and 50s. Ah, yes, when Jim Crow law still reigned unchallenged in the South, mortgages for the post-war suburban housing boom were not available to black families, marriage between blacks and whites was still a crime, no black ball player was allowed to play Major League Baseball, sexual relationships between same-sex couples were illegal, a woman's right to choose to terminate a pregnancy was a crime in every state, American ethnic Japanese were not being compensated after being stripped of their property and incarcerated during World War II. The FBI spied on supposed political dissidents without any basis to suspect them of criminal activity. Women, blacks and Latinos were systematically excluded from educational opportunities and from jobs. How about we say 2016 was the last time America was great instead? Wasn't that wonderful, Ian? Pussy Riot. Great. Really good song. It is good. And good luck to them, wherever they are. Now, on the 3rd of November, we're going to have an election, and that is why... Well, we're not, Bill. No, we're not. There is an election. I'm speaking on behalf of the world. Uh, The royal we. There will be an election. There will be an election in America, and that's why we've got the wonderful Pam with us, all the way from Washington. And um, we've got a text for you, Pam. It's from Sisters Nancy and Brooke from Ipswich Road, near where they're putting in the new roundabout. And they say, our voters traumatised at the moment by the tsunami of events in recent months. And I think she's referring to things like the BLM, uh, the change to the Supreme Court, all these things we talked about. Do you know, is, I, You've missed out COVID. COVID as well, yeah. yes. COVID. So are voters traumatised? Is there a sort of voter fatigue where you are? Well, we did name this. We did name this chat Dial M for Mayhem. Yeah, yeah. So we we may be in the mayhem of events, and it will be interesting to see how things settle. So whether or not the voters can make clear judgments, they're going to be voting, and we shall see how it ends. I think a more interesting question at this point, Pam, do you think anything's gone um, to plan for either of the parties during this election? Oh, that is a that is a trick question. Um, 
I think there have been surprises on both sides. Um, I think that um, it's it, it's interesting to see the events that have uh, that have really kind of guided or uh, glided the uh, the re the Republican side along. Um, I think possibly the Democrats have an edge on uh, things going according to plan. I would say the one thing that the uh, the Democrats have done very well was their choice of vice presidential candidate. Ah, uh, yes. If anyone, well, uh, if anyone should get the uh, the vote out, I would hope it would be that lady, even well, if even if she is viewed as being part of the establishment and part of the police. But there you go. Anyway, going. Can we go back in time a little bit? Let's go back in time. There were, there let's were, do the time work. Yeah, there was an election four years ago. What's happened to the characters that uh, took part in that other than Trump? Because we know where he's been for four years. Some, some, someone has disappeared. No, where's Hillary? I, I, I saw her on the telly. She's got a book out, strangely enough. And she's got some grandchildren. So yeah. if it were well, that would keep us all busy, wouldn't it? Yeah. That, and she's been joining the dots in that book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I is it really that, that complex? I'm only joking. Is it a complex? I'm only joking. If Hillary was in here, she she wouldn't have to hang out the window hanging onto the satellite. Anyway, no. <laughs> Do you know, uh, Pam? You chose this song, and uh, I know why you chose it. But I'm going to tell you why it was such a good choice because it was thirtieth. 20th of June, sorry, I'll tell a lie, 20th of June 1978, I watched this singer, Tom Petty, on a British show called The Old Grey Whistle Test on BBC Two, only TV in our house, old black and white set, he played nine songs with the Heartbreakers, uh, he played with Isley Brothers, and uh, he played uh, just guitar licks, ragged rock and roll, he romanticised tales of rebellious dramas where you are out there in America, in all those faraway places that the, the rather the dreary london flat that i lived in uh was just seemed as far away as the moon was and this is a great choice of yours pam i have to say this is american girl and it was the last song that he played on the on his playlist that night
I have obtained documentation showing that Melanie Koroshek, the woman in the video for Tom Petty's hit song American Girl, was actually a Slovenian national who broke immigration law when she came to the US by entering the country on a tourist visa and then working as a professional model. Later she got a green card and then became an American national, although her citizenship could be revoked if the government found she'd committed visa fraud when she arrived in the US. She arrived on a B1-B2 tourist visa. Tourist visas allow someone to stay in the USA for six months, but they cannot seek employment while they are there. When she appeared in Tom Petty's video, she was working illegally. Keep the box open for just a little bit longer. Ah, the time is always... Time moves on, doesn't it? Time flies like an arrow, and fruit flies, well, they like bananas. Anyway, so we're going to talk a bit, little bit of positivity. Time to look to the future. A wonderful tale you're going to tell us, Pam, of, of three women, including yourself, who span five generations in America. Tell me about Evelyn, Pam, and Emma. So, Evelyn... Evelyn... Mary Evelyn White Spencer was my great-grandmother, and she was able to vote in the very first election that women were given the right to vote in the United States. Um, I think it was probably her red-letter day. Now, this is the same Grandma Spencer that my mom referred to in her little in her little uh, recording of um, and reporting of uh, going to the Democratic Convention, so um, spanning from the 1920s when she was able to first vote and it being the red letter day of her life, to bringing her granddaughter. Uh, to a convention uh, had to be highly significant. Um, for me, I've always looked to her as a um, as a leader in my family and uh, just a personal uh, example in my life. Um, and so, as we as we look across the years, I and as I was thinking about this, I thought, oh my gosh, the I have a granddaughter Emma who is 15 years old uh, at this very moment and will be um, participating in the next election. And so I think about how important it is um, that that we look to the young people and we look to them to, uh, to be informed and to make those decisions. Emma says it's really up to us and, and everything that she does um, is is looking toward that day when she will be able to participate well that's great and that's it's really cheered me up you know we, we always have to have hope for the future and we said this so many times in this show it's all about hope for the future do you know that was our united states presidential and others election special
And uh, you'll be pleased to know we'll be back for the next one in just four years' time. What will it be like then? What do you think, Ian? I really haven't got a clue, Bill. I just hope that uh, there's less aggression, less conflict and less going on in the press. Would you like me to wrap up, sir? Well, we're just going to say thanks to Pam. Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Pam. Speak soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So, from up here in Studio One, on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, once more we look out across the full and fertile lands of a very dark and bleak northeast Essex. It's time for us to close Box 39 once again. Quite a claim that Tears for Fears made when they sang their globe-straddling mega-hit, Everyone Wants to Rule the World. I myself question its veracity. Everyone, I asked? So what I did is I invited a whole bunch of Cone Radio and Guppy Productions people down to the Three Wise Monkeys pub in Colchester High Street. And I asked them, do you want to rule the world? Well, Bryn Griffiths said no. Tony Pierce said no, as did her husband Nick. Pamela Ennis, over from the States, said no. Ian Tallentire said no. Gabriel Sidhu said no. Bob May said no. Mike Harwood said no. Ian Hornet said no. Joe Coldwell said no. Jay Grant said no. Julie Clark Edwards said no. Jill Ball said no. So did her husband, Steve. Dave Nash said no. Richard and Holly said no. Craig Barber, Katie Vargas, Ian Hay, Rebecca Rees, Gordon Robb, Carrie Dunn, Carla Dickinson and Andrew Oldershaw. They all said no. And then I asked Bill Lawrence... Do you want to rule the world, Bill? I asked, and he answered in a cryptic fashion. He said, If I did want to rule the world, I would start by taking control of the radio station and dominating the airwaves. Then I would take it from there. is a guppy production for Cohen Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. Today... We are not merely transferring power from one administration to another. Today, this American carnage stops right here and stops right now. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree 
to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. A new national pride will stir ourselves, lift our sights, and heal our divisions.